0: Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to uh, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verse 42 and verse 43. The Bible says... Jesus called them together, meaning his disciples, and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many." And so, Father, we thank you for your word. I just pray that this word would find a place in our hearts. That this morning, even as I share, Lord God, that we would understand the spirit of your word. That there'd be nothing in me that hinders this word. Let there be a spirit of um, wisdom and revelation, even as we hear the, this word, Father. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom, Lord God, uh, to, to deliver and to hear your word this morning, I pray. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, we're in a series uh, called, uh, entitled Called to Serve. If you haven't been here for the last uh, couple of weeks, um, we've said that as Christians, we believe that we're not here by accident. Um, that we're not the product of some cosmic bang, that God has a plan for our life, uh, that God has a purpose for our life. Um, and all throughout scripture, we're reminded of this simple fact over the last couple of weeks. We've looked at a few scriptures, Psalm 139, that said God, God has knit us together in our mother's womb and, and for purpose. And one of my favorite scriptures that we communicate here at church on a regular basis is Jeremiah 29:11, 11. And it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. What that means is that God has a plan for our life. That we are created for purpose. And those plans are good plans uh, for hope and a future. And what I love is the next verse. Jeremiah 29:12, which says, And then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. When we understand that God has a plan for our lives, when we understand that we were created for purpose, the greatest thing that we can do is begin to seek God. Uh, the, The greatest thing that we can do is to begin to say, okay, God, you've created me for such a time as this. Well, what's the reason, God? Why am am I here, Lord God? And Jeremiah reminds us that when we begin to pray like that, the Bible says he will listen and we will find him. He'll begin to speak to us about what that purpose is. Uh, I think there's nothing greater that we can do in our life than discover and serve the purposes of God in our life. And it comes with a simple prayer that says, oh God, do something with my life. Use me for your glory, Lord God. Uh, I I just want to serve your purposes. Key verse for this particular series is found in Acts chapter 13 and verse 36 that says, Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. David served the purposes of God for his generation. Listen to me carefully. You're You're going to feel the most alive when you serve the purposes of God. You, you, you're going to feel like, well, this is what I was created for. And, and I don't care who we are and our background and what we understand. There is a sense that life is not an accident. That when, when this can't just all have happened because of some big bang somewhere and just the product of billions and billions and billions of years of evolution. There's a sense that, you know, we're here for purpose. This, this, our life has more meaning than just that. And, you know, when we discover that purpose, as we look to God, uh, we begin to experience uh, a sense of uh, a fulfillment and and a sense of meaning in life. This morning, I want to pick up on the word "serve" in that verse. Uh, it says, "David served the purposes of God in his own generation." And I want to speak about what it means to be a servant. You know, we're living in a time today where people are consumed with themselves, uh, where people are selfish, uh, self-centered, uh, self-seeking. Uh, We talk about self-esteem, self-will, self-promotion, self-actualization, you know, a bit of psychology. Um, And nowhere is this more evident uh, than in the selfie craze. How many people here take selfies from time to time? Um, No one here. They're an amazing congregation. Uh, 93 million selfies are taken every single day and increasing. Uh, Between the ages of 18 and 24, uh, one in three photos is a selfie, All right, uh, those aged between 18 and 24, um, uh, one in three photos is itself. You know the deal, you're somewhere. Uh, you're in a park somewhere and you think, well, this would be a a good good opportunity to take a selfie and put a post up. And so you fix your hair. That's the first thing you do. Those of you that have got hair, some of us, you know, don't have too much to take. Um, And then you take not just one shot because you know one shot might not work. So you take usually 10 or 15 shots. And then you scroll through the shots. For those of you that know how to use your phone, you actually put a filter on them Uh, 36% of you actually do that. Uh, You put a filter on the photo just to make sure that it looks good. Uh, You choose the best photo and then you add a little tagline, you know, enjoying the day at the park. (laughs) Boom. Took you 15 15 minutes to take that photo, choose the right one, put the filter on there, enjoying the day at the park. Of course, our selfies are genuine and authentic you know, we just want people to know what we're doing. It's, it's, really, it's really just out of, you know, just helping. Just, just, it's just a nice way of expressing where people are, where, you know, where, where we're at at the, at the time. Everyone else's, though, uh, are people showing off, uh, narcissistic, full of themselves. Uh, of course, not ours, you know. Um, we are a self-obsessed generation. We are consumed with ourselves. And what we need to understand is that as followers of Jesus, we believe the complete opposite. That this way of thinking is completely opposed to what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus tells his disciples one time, and and they were jostling for position. They were trying to get the higher position. And Jesus tells them, listen, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. And then Jesus says, not so with you. It's like that with everybody else, but not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. I love that phrase, not so with you. Everybody say, not so with you. Not so with you. Beautiful. Um, in the world, greatness is measured by position and power and prestige and how many likes you got on a post. That's, that's the issue with the selfie, isn't it? You take it and then every 10 minutes later, you're looking at how many likes you've got on there. No, not, not this congregation. Um, but in God's kingdom, greatness is measured by service. And Jesus is telling his disciples, we live in a world that is consumed with themselves, not so with you. If you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you should be different. There should be something different about you. And in God's kingdom, greatness is measured by service. Craig Groeschel says this, Serving is not just something we do, a servant is who we are. Serving is not just something that we do, a servant is actually who we are. And what I believe we need to do as a church is recapture the heart of a servant. Because whether we like it or not, we're living in a world that is consumed with themselves. And slowly but surely, we can start to be influenced by that way of thinking where we start to think about ourselves and our own well-being and our own, our own future, our own lives. But more than ever, what we need to do is recapture the heart of a certain. Because at the core of our being, if there's a quality that ought to characterize us, it's service. It's not serve us, it's serve us. <laughs> it's not serve us, and it's very clever, come on, just help me out here. It's not serve us, it's serve us. So today what I'd like to do is look through the Bible and give you a picture of what a servant looks like. As we look through the Bible from Genesis right through to Revelation, we, we get these pictures, these snapshots of what a servant looked like. And each of these images teaches us something about what it means to be a servant. And I pray that it would encourage us. I, I, I pray that these images would kind of help us to understand what it means to be a servant. First of the images uh, comes from the life of Elijah. You can write that down in your notes. Elijah was spelt with S-H, Elisha. Uh, Elijah teaches us that a servant is willing to do menial tasks. Elijah teaches us that a servant is willing to do menial tasks. Elijah was the successor of Elijah with a J. Uh, Elijah was one of the great prophets that was used by God. He called down fire from heaven. He prayed it would stop raining and it did. And then he prayed it started raining again. Um, Elijah, that's with a J. Uh, I'm not, yeah, anyway, uh, he raised the dead boy from life. He didn't die. Uh, you know the story. He, he was actually taken into heaven with a chariot um, of fire uh, and so on. Uh, when he was getting to the end of his life, God tells him to anoint Elijah as his successor. And there's this great verse tucked away in the Bible That gives us some insight into the heart uh, of Elisha. Three kings went out to war to fight Moab, king of Israel, Judah, Edom. Uh, They get to a place where there was no water and they get distressed. They're kind of wondering what's going to happen. They're afraid they're going to die. Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, asks for a prophet. He says, This: Is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Elijah had since been transported into heaven, and Elisha was now the prophet. The interesting part is what was Elisha known for? What was he known for? He wasn't known for his credentials, he wasn't known for how, how smart he was or how wealthy he was. The thing that stuck in people's mind about this guy called Elisha was he used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Elijah, as we read in scriptures, ended up doing twice as many miracles as his predecessor. So he was used by God in such a mighty and a powerful way. The question is, how was Elijah trained? What school did he go to? Where did he learn to do so many miracles? Where did he learn to be used by God in such a powerful way? He trained at the school of servanthood. He was known for his servant's heart. There are some people today who say, you know, I really want to be used by God. I want God to do something with my life. I I want, I want I want I want to be someone who does great things for God. God says no problem at all. The training ground is servanthood. The training ground, the ground for doing great things for God is actually servanthood. Find a menial task and do it faithfully as unto the Lord. Find, find a menial task and, and, and do it faithfully as unto the Lord. Well, the one thing we learned from Elijah, how we get to his background. I mean, this, this guy did some amazing miracles. He was used by God in such a powerful way. What, what was it about Elijah that enabled him to be used by God in such a powerful way? I tell you what it was, he had a servant's heart. He, he was willing to, to get a jug of water and pour it on Elijah's hands. To help him wash his hands. It was wax on and wax off. Wax on and wax off. It was week in, week in and week out. Just, just doing the menial tasks. And I can imagine, you know, it's like him asking, you know, Mr. Miyagi, when are we going to do karate? <laughs> just focus on the wax on and the wax off. So, so often we're a bit like that in the church too, you know, where we just want, I just want to do the big things, you know, I want to do the great things, I want, I want to be able to, you know, I, I, I want the position. We're consumed with greatness. And Jesus reminds us, and he says to us again, that in the kingdom of God, greatness is measured by servanthood, and, and, and Jesus was trying to get this, this principle across to his disciples who, who had been influenced by this mentality. And he was just saying to them, listen, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. Elijah reminds us that if we're going to be used by God, we need, we need a servant's heart. And how do we de- develop that servant's heart? Um, we need to find a menial task and do that faithfully as unto God. We're not afraid to do menial tasks. So many people miss their calling because they're not willing to humble themselves and serve. The menial tasks are too menial for them. Oh, I, I understand. You know, that's for the people that have to, that have to kind of learn, but I'm there already. <laughs> just give me the important tasks. They're the ones that I can do. And to be a servant. Because remember, serving is not just something we do. A servant is who we are. And that's what ought to characterize those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ. Second of the images of servanthood comes from the life of Naaman's wife's servant. We don't even know her name. Um, she, she was used by God in such a powerful way. We don't even know her name. She was nameless. And she teaches us to maintain a great spirit when we serve background of her story is found in 2 Kings chapter 5. Naaman was a great army commander. Um, and the Bible tells us that he had leprosy. Uh, leprosy in Bible times was like cancer. It, there was no cure for, for, for leprosy. And when, when you were diagnosed with leprosy, it was basically a death sentence. Bible says, Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel. And she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of leprosy. So Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl of Israel had said. So if, on the basis of what this servant girl had said, he, went, he goes to Elisha, it's with an S, and um, tells him about the leprosy and he was actually healed from that. Uh, Elisha tells him, go and dip yourself seven times in the Jordan. He eventually goes and was actually miraculously healed of his leprosy. What I love about this young girl was her spirit. There's just so much we can learn from this young girl. We don't even know her name. No title, uh, no position, but, but yet she was used by God in such a powerful way. And what, what we learned from her more than anything else is about servanthood. Here she was away from her family. She was taken captive, being forced to serve. She finds out that Naaman has leprosy, that is, you know her, 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 um, her, the the master's. Well, her wife's, whatever husband. Anyway, Naaman, uh, and she says, "Listen, why doesn't he go to the prophet Elijah? I've heard Elijah does miracles. Why doesn't he go there?" Now I don't know about you, but if it was if it was me in her position, I would have said, "Serves you right." <clears throat> If 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 it was me in her position, and I'd heard that he had leprosy, I would have said, "There is a God in heaven." Retribution. You chose the wrong person to take captive. (laughs) How many people would have said that here? No one. You're such a spiritual bunch, aren't you? Uh, You're amazing. Um, Lying. Um, You know, if if uh, if it was me, that's what I would have said. That's what I would have said. Come on, how many people would have said that? I would have said that. She could have served Naaman's wife with bitterness and anger and resentment. Instead, in the midst of all of that, she maintains a sweet spirit. And when the opportunity came, she had no problem telling her, telling, telling her hey, what, why doesn't he go to Elijah? Because he could minister healing. Listen, it's not just about where we serve, it's about how we serve. It's not just about where we're serving. It's not just about what we're doing. It's also the spirit in which we are doing it. We can serve with a bad spirit. We can serve, well, I have to do this. Uh, I don't want to do this. You know, They make me serve on the roster here at this church, Life Christian Centre. You have to serve because they told you you have to serve. They have to put on a roster. We can do it whinging and whining. Or we can serve with a great spirit. How do we make sure we serve with a good spirit? We serve with a good spirit by remembering why we serve. We, 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 serve, we serve with a great spirit when we remember why, why we are serving. Because it's the why that gives us the, the motivation and, and, and helps us to serve with the right spirit listen to what Paul said to the Corinthians he was another guy that was used by God in such a powerful way this this guy was intelligent he was he was a high official but listen listen to what he said as he's writing to the Corinthian church he says "Though I am free and belong to no one in other words I'm a free person I could do whatever I want listen to what he says I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in his blessings Isn't that a powerful scripture? Paul said, I serve because who knows someone may come to know Christ. Uh, If they do, their lives can be radically changed. Paul understood something about the gospel of Jesus Christ. He understood that when people come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that their lives can be radically changed. He understood the power of the gospel. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it has the power to transform and to change people's hearts and lives. Listen, I don't know of anything else that can change someone's heart like the gospel of Jesus Christ, like coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank God for everything that we have. Thank God for for the knowledge that we have, the universities that we have. Thank God that we live in Australia and there's a great political system. Thank God for everything that we have. Thank God for science and thank God for all of that. But listen, there is nothing that can change the human heart like the gospel of Jesus Christ that when a person comes to know Jesus Christ and the, as their Lord and Savior, it has the capacity to change their hearts at the deepest value. And Paul got a revelation of that. Paul understood that. And he's saying, you know what? I'm up here and I don't have to do anything, but I'm willing to become a slave that who knows, one person may come to know Jesus Christ. And if they come to know Jesus, their lives can be radically changed. It's not just about where we serve, but how we serve. And how we serve is determined by why we serve. When we understand how we can serve, how we, can, um, serve we can influence a person's eternity, then we serve differently. Because in the kingdom of God, it's not the big things that matter. It's the, it's the little things. It's the little things that matter. It's the little things that have the capacity to make the greatest difference. And all this young girl said was, why, why don't you go to Elijah the prophet? You, you just think about this, this, this young girl. All she says is one little phrase. Why, why don't you go to Elijah the prophet? Who knows something could happen in your life? Elijah, sorry, Naaman went to Elijah one way. He came away a completely different person because he encountered God. He encountered the living God. Something happens when we encounter the living God. What causes us to come back here again and again and again? I, I, I can tell you what causes us as a church to gather again and again and again. Thank God for the music. The building's nice. The people are nice. The preaching's okay. But it's not that that brings us back here week in and week out. What, bring, what brings us back here again and again is that Jesus has made such a change in our lives. And we just love to gather with the church and we worship and glorify Him. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. Your goodness is running after me. When you've experienced the goodness of God, you can't help but just gather together with the church and begin to worship and to glorify God. I love this girl. I love this this young girl. And and all, all she says is a little phrase. Hey, why don't you go to Elijah? Never underestimate the power of just a little phrase. To change someone's heart, someone's destiny. Naaman's wife servant reminds us to maintain a great spirit as we serve. Uh, third of the images comes from the life of uh, Matthias and Justice. Matthias and Justice teach us that a servant doesn't seek a title. In Acts chapter 1, Peter was saying that the new disciple had to be chosen to replace Judas. Peter says, Therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Um, There are a number of criteria here. A potential replacement had to fill. Um, He needed to have been with Jesus since the beginning, had to be present at the ascension, bear testimony to the resurrection. I love that phrase. It's kind of hidden in there. For one of these must become a witness with us of the resurrection. You know, the whole of Christianity revolves around one event in history, and that's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and, I, and I love the way Peter puts that in there. He says, listen, he needs to bear, bear witness. He has to be able to declare that Jesus actually rose from the dead. Of all the things that Jesus did, his teaching, his miracles, the fact that he died, the virgin birth, all of that was great and all of that was important, but it did not prove the deity of Jesus Christ. What proved the deity of Jesus Christ, that he was in fact God, was the, the fact that he rose from the dead. And this new disciple had to, Bad testimony to that. So, what they do, what they decided to do, it's not in the scriptures, it's around there. They decided to put an ad on seek.com. Um, and, you know, as part of the ad, there were the criteria it needed to be with Jesus since the beginning, had to present the ascension. Anyway, they got all these applications in and they sifted through the applications and they chose two Justice and Matthias, who kind of fulfilled the selection criteria. Verse 24, it's a powerful verse. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show us which one of these two should be chosen. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? Notice they didn't um, choose on the basis of the resume. Yes, they had the criteria. These guys fulfilled that criteria. Yes, they ticked the boxes. They were there from the beginning. They They were a witness to the resurrection of Jesus, but that's not why they were chosen. They were chosen on the basis of their heart. They prayed and said, Lord, you know their hearts you know what's really inside of them? That's just a beautiful thing. Listen listen carefully. If God chooses us to do any kind of work, uh, and we've been saying this over the last couple of weeks, it's not about our qualifications, our abilities, our giftings. It's always about the attitude of our heart. And one of the greatest attitudes that we can have is a heart to serve. He's looking for a heart that's going to serve him. Just notice the criteria. They needed to have been with Jesus since the beginning, present at the ascension, testimony of the resurrection. You know, these men were no ordinary men. These were men were men of character. They had been with Jesus since the beginning. They went wherever Jesus and the disciples went, but never had a title. These men were not numbered in the 12, but it didn't deter them. Can you imagine how these men would have felt when Jesus chose the 12? Here they were. Listen, these guys had been with Jesus since the beginning but they weren't numbered in the 12. So can you imagine when Jesus is looking for the 12 disciples and he begins to choose 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and they were not chosen. How many times Jesus says to his disciples and his apostles, "Come come with me, let's get away. He didn't tell the rest of them to do that. He just told the 12 disciples. Well, this didn't deter them because these men were not interested in titles. They wanted to be with Jesus. And it was this quality, it was this characteristic that enabled them to stand out in the crowd. They were anonymous, but they didn't care about title or position. They just wanted to be with Jesus. I believe more than ever, we need to recapture this quality. Um, We need to recapture the quality of a servant spirit where we serve independent of title and position, where we serve because we feel privileged just to be part of what God is doing. We need to have the same attitude as Jesus. As Paul says in Philippians, um, he says, who being in very nature, God didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped or to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Verse 9, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name. Here was Jesus who who was God. He was the creator of the heavens and the earth. But but he didn't use his title or his position to be able to do this. He became a servant, dying on the cross. A servant never seeks to gain a title or position. A true servant understands just the privilege of serving Jesus. A true servant understands it's God who lives up. And God who brings that. Let, let him resolve that. Let him work that out. Let him work out the titles. And in the kingdom of God, it's the higher you go, the more you serve. Here was Jesus, the greatest servant of all, the greatest example of servanthood who gave his life for all of us. Servant is just something we do. Our service is not just something we do. It's actually who we are. One last image uh, comes from the life of Dorcas. Uh, she's the first Greek woman to be mentioned in the Bible. Not a good name for your daughter, Dorcas. Just just, just putting it out there. Um, the Bible tells us that she died and the people were so taken by that that they called Peter uh, to come and pray for her. And Peter came, he prayed. She was raised back to life. Uh, and notice what they said about her. In Joppa, uh, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. Um, If someone were to describe you with the word always, uh, what would they say? What quality would they say about you? Uh, He's always this or she's always this. Um, What would other people say about you that you always do? Would they say he or she is always whinging and whining? (laughs) Uh, Would they say he or she is always complaining or arguing or picking a fight? Or would they say he or she is always encouraging? You know, every time I'm with her, I just seem to feel encouraged. Come on, how many people know that there are some people that when you're with them, you always feel like you're a better person? It doesn't matter how you're feeling or what you're going through. As soon as you get near these people and begin to talk to them, somehow they have this capacity to always make you feel better. Some people are always speaking about Jesus, always generous, always positive. What I love about the scripture, it says, Dorcas was always doing good and helping the poor. Here's the good news. We don't need qualifications to be a servant. There are hundreds of opportunities every single day to do good and to serve others. And one of the things that ought to characterize followers of Jesus Christ is serving, is doing good to others. People should say about us, they're always doing good, they're always helping the poor, they're always doing whatever they can to help others. That ought to be the testimony of every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Often we think of Christians to communicate our faith, we need to preach, turn or burn, these are the spiritual laws. And all these things are great. There is a place for some of this. But the greatest message that we can preach is with our actions. People want to see Jesus before they hear about Jesus. One of the worst things I ever hear about the church, and it, and it, and, and it grieves me. Uh, yeah, I met a Christian once, but I can assure you they were not a Christian. Um, I, I pray that they, would, that, they, that they would never be the testimony of someone who comes to Life Christian Center. If you are here and you know, you, you don't, you're not living your faith, can you just say you go to another church? Just please, just help us out. You know what I mean? Just say you're going from another church down the road. Um, if you say you're a follower of Jesus Christ, let me see it by how you behave. Now, none of us are perfect. None of, none, none of us have got it all together. We're all dysfunctional. We're all, we're all struggling with some areas. But I, I wanna pray that, 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 that I would be more and more like Jesus every single day that I would do the things that Jesus would do, say the things that Jesus would say, go to the places where Jesus would go. Peter was encouraging the women with unsaved husbands and he said this, if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of their hearts. Serving is not just something we do. A servant is who we are. Never underestimate the power of serving. Never underestimate the power of just doing something good for someone and the effect that it can have on their lives, not only in this life, but for eternity. Message today is pretty clear. Message is simple. If we're followers of Jesus Christ, we're called to serve. Something very powerful about serving. I can assure you that when you begin to serve, you're gonna feel better. Not only are the people that you serve are gonna feel better because of your service, I can assure you something is gonna happen inside of you as you begin to serve. There's just something very powerful about it. If you're depressed, begin to serve someone else. Some depression is about how often it's about how we're we're wrapped up in ourselves. I'm feeling like this. I'm feeling like that. I'm feeling down. I'm feeling blue. I'm feeling, I'm I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm not minimizing depression. It's awful and it's terrible. And I understand how dark and, and terrible it can be. But listen, one of the ways out of it, one of the ways that we begin to crawl out of that is actually start to become others focused because something begins to change. As we serve, endorphins are released inside of our bodies. They're the good endorphins that make us feel better and that's been scientifically proven something happens inside of us as we begin to serve something changes in our own lives and in the lives of those that we're serving and so that's that's the message of, of of scripture that's what jesus was saying and i i i believe what one of the qualities that ought to distinguish us is a heart of service i believe we're called in three areas let me wrap this up um first of all we we're, we're we're called to serve in our homes. Um, listen, listen to me really carefully. Christianity, religion always starts at home. Pastor Joe, I want to reach the world. Well, how are you doing at home? <laughs> husbands, ask your wife, how can you serve her? Wives, don't bother asking your husbands because you're already serving them. I just won a lot of points this morning. Children, ask your parents, how can you serve them? Make sure your parents are sitting down because they might fall over if you ask them that question. How can we serve you? Christianity always starts at home. If we can't serve at home, how can we serve elsewhere? Number two, serving church. We serve in church. Thank God this church is filled with servants. It's filled with servants. I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but you know, so many of you serve faithfully week in and week out. You serve in the children's ministry, youth, ushering, worship team. These guys were here at 7.30 this morning. Production, hospitality, car park cleaning, feeding the needy. I hope I haven't missed anybody out. There's a whole group every single Friday night that, you know, Fridays are hard. And on Friday night, they, they come here at about five o'clock. They put together a whole bunch of food, go out and serve the needy. Something changes inside of you as you begin to do that. The list goes on and on. People that have understood the power of serving the purposes of God. And I know that some of you are missing out on this. That's what grieves me. Some of you are missing out. And we want to give you the opportunity to fill those endorphins. So I want to encourage you, find a place to serve. Find a place to serve. Because there's so much blessing attached to that. Our mission, vision here at church is we want people to know God, grow together and serve others. And then finally, we serve in our community. That includes your neighbours, your workplace, your school. Remember, serving isn't just something we do. It's who we are. And whenever you have an opportunity to serve, then serve. You know, in the workplace, you know, everybody's doing their own things at school. But why don't you begin to pray, God, would you give me an opportunity to serve someone today? Instead of looking to yourself, why don't you look to the needs of others? And sometimes it can just be by, you serve someone by just saying a little phrase, hey, it's good to see you today. One more image from the Bible. Um, Jesus is about to go to the cross and He says to His disciples, go to a certain place, there you're gonna find a donkey and bring the donkey to me. If anyone asks, why are you taking the donkey? Jesus says, just tell them, my master needs it. My master needs it. So, the disciples go there. Sure enough, there's a donkey there. It's never been ridden before. They grab the donkey. Someone asks, What are you doing with the donkey? My master needs it, and they bring it to Jesus. And Jesus enters Jerusalem on this donkey. Many of you know the story. I want you to picture this scene this time, not, not from the perspective that we know, of, but I want you to see this scene um, from the perspective of the donkey. I want you to imagine the donkey's Eddie Murphy in Shrek, okay? Just kind of get that kind of a picture. It's that kind of a donkey, all right? So the donkey probably been having a hard day that day, is a little bit depressed. And then suddenly, uh, you know, he gets dragged away. Jesus sits on him and now he's walking towards Jerusalem. Crowds have gathered around him and they're cheering and they're singing songs. And the donkey can't believe that they're cheering him. He can't believe the day started off as a really bad day. But now halfway through the day, he's walking towards Jerusalem. Crowds have gathered on either side. They got palm branches that they're throwing in front of him. They're singing and they're cheering Hosanna to him, the donkey. Suddenly his back's a bit straighter. he, he's, he's walking towards Jerusalem and he's getting caught up in the whole moment, smiling back straight, strutting as he walks. I mean, he was limping like this before. Now he's strutting as he walks in. I can't believe, smiling and grinning, you know, any at at, at move. Um, so while he's walking there, he decides to, to take a selfie, capture the moment, you know, uh, that this, this is a great moment, let me take a selfie. So he, 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 he takes, not just, he fixes his hair, first of all, you gotta do that, you know. And then he takes 10 shots. And then, and then he's looking through the photos and he realises he's got Jesus sitting on the back. He realises it, it's like this light goes off He goes, the crowds were not cheering at me. The crowds were not singing at me. They were singing at Jesus. Here's the moral of the story. It's pretty simple. Don't be a donkey. (laughs) Check out what it means in the King James. I'm not going to say it. It's worse in the King James. It's never about you and me. It's always about Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Come on. It's never about you and me. It's always about Jesus. And He gives us the privilege to serve Him. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said here. He said, I, I, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength and that He considered me trustworthy, appointing me to His service. This is the Apostle Paul. He was a great man in every sense of the word. And he says, I, I feel so privileged that He's called me to His service. Never forget that. It's never about you and it's never about me. It's always about Jesus. And David served the purposes of God in his generation. Now I want to encourage you, find a place of service. Do the menial tasks. Don't be bitter. Serve with a smile in the name of Jesus. Don't seek titles. Let, leave the titles up to, up to God. It's, he's the one who brings up and He's the one who, who brings down just a little secret. The higher you go up, the more you need to serve. And just do good whenever you can. Remember the power of a little phrase. The power that one little phrase can make in someone's life. We've served because we've understood the power and the privilege of serving the purposes of God. Would you stand with me? Take home this morning. This is not one of those kind of messages where you go, wow, oh, I felt so good. Oh, just the feeling. Now, it's not this kind of sermon. This kind of sermon is, it's not about how we feel, it's about what we do. What do we do, what, what do, we do when we leave this place? Remember, serving is not just something we do, it's, it's someone we are. One of the greatest prayers that we can pray every single day is, Lord, help me to have a servant heart. Help me to have the heart of a servant. And help me to serve you this week. Because there are some people that are waiting For someone that will somehow introduce them to Jesus or somehow that they'll experience the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, whose lives can be radically changed because we stopped focusing on ourselves and started focusing on the one who's able to change our destinies for eternity. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. And so, Father, we just thank you for the grace and the privilege that we have to serve you. We, 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 for some reason, you've chosen us, Lord God, to be your servants. And we feel so privileged and honoured. And Father, I just pray that you would use us as a church. Forgive us at times for getting caught up in this way of thinking, this worldview that says, you know, greatness is about position and title and power and prestige and more and more, Lord God. Forgive us for getting caught up in that that mindset, Lord God. Help us to have the mind of Jesus who didn't come for position or title but came to serve. Let that be the spirit and heart of Life Christian Center, I pray. I just thank you for the many that serve you week in and week out, Lord God. I just thank you that at the core of this church, Lord God, is a heart to serve. Father, I pray that 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 heart would begin to grow and grow greater and greater and bigger and bigger, Lord God, that we would look for greater opportunities and more opportunities to serve, Lord God to serve you above all else and above all else that people would father come not, not, not to know a church and not to know religion or God. We know either, neither of those things can change someone's life but they would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour because when people come to know Christ, their whole lives can be radically changed. We love you, God. We just wanna serve your purposes in our generation. This is our prayer and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. God bless you. Have a great Rest of the day and great week in Jesus' name.